I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official Gonna Geek show. I am Steven, coming to you from the Canadian Decision Desk 2021. And with me, of course, is SP. I'm surprised you don't see a bunch of Canadian national symbols around you, flags, that sort of stuff. And oh, by the way, I want to say hello to all of our Australian watchers and listeners. (laughs) Also, we've got Chris Farrell. Every time I see the intro video for this show, I pause and go, where the hell did my Superman shirt go? Because I have no idea where that Superman shirt I'm wearing in the intro video went. It's somewhere. It probably went to the same place as... Steven's pink robe. I've totally done that before, though, with shirts, uh, including the robe. It, it's, I've, I've been like looking at old footage of the Guinea Geek show, but like, I have no idea where that shirt went. So I hear you on that. And yes, I need the pink robe back. I thought yeah. the pink robe was in the Gunna Geek Hall of Fame. Oh, it is. That's right. It's on one of yes. those stands. Like, you know how Oliver had his arrow costume? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. True story. A couple of weeks ago, as you know, I was up at the lake. And I found a shirt that I've been looking for for a year since the last time I was at the lake. So you left it there? Yes, I I left it there. I have a little bin, you know, a hermetically sealed bin that I put stuff in when I'm not there. Just to make sure bugs or mice or whoever, which don't have any of those problems, by the way, but just to make sure. And uh, I just forgot it was there. So I got up there and it's it's one of those you know, long sleeve, anti-sun radiation, keep your Mm -hmm. skin cancer off of you shirts. So I'm glad I found it. I'm glad you found it too. Uh, Yeah, by the way, the tie into the Canadian decision desk is because as we're recording this today on Monday, September 20th, it is Canadian election day and, you know, the polls are just closing soon. So, hey, once I've edited this, we will either have a new prime minister or the same prime minister or Canada will just have voted to um, disband altogether. One of those three things will likely happen. So to future editor Stephen, uh, the decision, you know what it is. Congratulations, so- Queen, Her Majesty, Mary- Meghan Markle. <laughs> so, Stephen, will you be breaking in with this episode with regular election updates as news is breaking? No, not at all. But well, the people want to know. You are their source of news on the Canadian election. You put this mantle upon yourself yeah. by talking about being at the decision I'll desk. Even do the jingle. All right, here's Live your Canadian. From the Canadian decision desk at the Gunna Geek headquarters. It's Stephen John Drew. All right, here's your latest Canadian election information. People have won some seats. And this has been your latest. <laughs> just played me off like i was in the oscars (laughs) would you like to do that now would you like to do that now? it's okay all right (laughs) it's more comedic this way (laughs) all right let's start off with some news here hey uh did you know this sp i got a question for you did you know that the inspiration four has done some stuff lately 
I did not. Can you please inform me of uh, what stuff Inspiration4 did and what Inspiration4 is? You know, I, I honestly don't know. I, I wish somebody could tell me a little bit more about it. I heard this thrown around this past weekend that there was an Inspiration4. I'm assuming that there was three prior. I also assume that uh, something happened in the world of space and that there were things that happened. So uh, that's all that I know. So Inspiration4 is a new clone for men, what I heard, oh. with a certain tones of rocket fuel and uh, smoke, a smoky smell. That's what we're looking at is rocket fuel and a smoky smell for the Inspiration4 cologne that you can find right now at a Macy's near you. Inspiration4, smell like a rocket. And distributed it at the Bay Canada. <laughs> so I just did a Google search for Inspiration4. I think I got this for you. Steve. Okay. <laughs> okay. So last week, at the end of the show, I informed everybody just for our live viewers that on Wednesday, September 15th, that Inspiration4, which was the next SpaceX crude launch, was going to go up and it was going to be all civilians. I said that at the end of the show because by the time the show was published and produced, it was already gone up and then came back. So this is what happened. Inspiration4 was the first all civilian crude mission to space. SpaceX launched it on Crewed Dragon, the same Crewed Dragon that was the capsule for the Crew-1 mission that went to the International Space Station. It launched on the 16th of September 2021, and it splashed down on the 18th of September 2021, and both were streamed live via SpaceX's YouTube account. You can also go over to Netflix. They have a great documentary about the individuals involved in the mission and the end of the mission, five episodes in all, I believe. Now, what was the mission? The mission was to produce some science, believe it or not, take some ultrasounds, have some microbe samples from the individuals on the flight, and a variety of in-flight health experiments, including measuring fluid shifts, record ECG activity, blood oxygen levels, heart rates, and studying basically stuff from human bodies of ordinary citizens who have not been previously carefully screened and exhaustively trained as professional astronauts. The secondary mission was that it was a fundraiser for St. Jude Hospital, which is very important. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And it also was a Netflix documentary, which Tom Cruise is very jealous of, by the way. The crew was Jared Isaacman. He financed the mission. His call sign was Rook. He's a billionaire and founder of Shift 4 Payments. He also has his own private air force that he privately trains people wanting to be part of the armed services in there. He also had a doctor from St. Jude. She's also a St. Jude cancer survivor. Her name is Haley Arsenault. Her call sign was Nova, which I have to get into in a second, but she is a physician's assistant childhood cancer survivor. Nova. So, Stephen, I know that Nova is a name that's near and dear to you because, well, you may or may not have a pet named Nova, right? Uh, sure. Let's go with that. Okay. We'll go with it. So here is where I think Nova actually came from. In the 1970s, I believe, there was a little cartoon that I watched on television called Star Blazers. Star Blazers was about the, the last ship on Earth that went out to fight the galactic aliens, whatever. It was great stuff for a kid in the 1970s. There was a very stereotypical female doctor. She was the only female on the ship, and she was the doctor on board the ship. Her name was Nova. Since 
Haley was the doctor. She was the medical officer on board Inspiration4. I think that's where her call sign came from, Nova. So we'll just leave it at that. Chris Zembrowski, by the way, his call sign is Hanks. He's a data engineer, 42-year-old dad. And Cyan Proctor, call sign Leo, who's a geoscientist and community college professor that was in the 1999 astronaut class. She was a finalist. She did not make it in. So she had some experience with space, and she was the pilot on board Inspiration4. So in addition to this being the first time civilians only were launched into space, it's the first time that three Dragon capsules were in orbit. Two crewed dragons, the Inspiration 4 capsule, and then another crewed dragon that was on board the ISS or docked to the ISS. There's also a cargo dragon that's docked to the ISS. This mission also marked the highest humans have been in orbit since the May 19, May 2009 Hubble repair mission. I know you guys love the Hubble. This is the last time Hubble was serviced. And so this is the highest humans have been since that mission. It was also the most humans in space on orbit at one time. Now, I have to stress on orbit because some people are saying in space with the Virgin Galactic mission, I'm going to go against that because they weren't in orbit. Okay, the previous record was 13. And according to the data that I looked into, that occurred first time on March 14th, 1995. There were seven people on board Endeavour. With STS-7, there were three cosmonauts on board the Mir space station and an astronaut and two cosmonauts aboard Soyuz TM-21. On March 2009, there was one cosmonaut, an astronaut, and a Chinese space tourist on board Soyuz capsule TMA-14. There were seven souls on STS-119 Discovery and an American astronaut, a Japanese astronaut, and a cosmonaut aboard the International Space Station. The third and final time that we've had 13 people up into space came on July 17th, 2009. They were all in a single spacecraft, so they still hold that record. And there were seven souls aboard STS-127 when it was docked with the International Space Station that had six people on board. This was 14. There were seven people aboard the International Space Station on September 16th, 2021. There were three Chinese astronauts. I forget the term for Chinese astronauts on the Chiangang space station, and then four in the Inspiration4 capsule. This mission, Inspiration4, also marked the youngest American ever to be in orbit. Haley is 20, I want to say she's 26, could be 29, I forgot. And it was the first time that we've had an astronaut in space with a prosthetic. That was Haley again. It was the first time that an African-American woman piloted a spacecraft. And it was the first time the largest continuous window ever flown in space. That was the cupola. And it was the first time that I've known of in-flight entertainment on board the capsule, which was in tablets. It didn't seem like they were iPads or anything. I don't know what they were. They're just tablets. But I did see Bet you they weren't Kindles. (laughs) I did see space balls being played on on one. I think Chris was watching a little uh, space balls at the end there. And then I, Jared, or Jared, <laughs> Isaacman, at the very end, his last call out from the capsule was, quote, we're just getting started, unquote. That was after splashdown. So I think that's very prophetic of the future. Guys, I, I know we've been talking behind the scenes about the inspiration for, did it inspire you at all? Did, you, did this hold anything to you? 
Yeah, I I really am looking forward to spending my millions of dollars on my future trip as well. But no, kidding aside, uh, I actually do think this was really cool because I 100% agree with you on doubting the whole before missions, the Blue Origin and the Virgin Galactic missions. I, I totally believe that this is a different uh, bar than those prior two missions because these were like, there's no doubt about it. You had time to sit and look at the Earth and go, oh, look, that's the Earth there. Oh, I might go around it a few times. Oh, look, I can do more than, you know, sit there and take a quick breath as I'm in space. Like, th this was like not a technical. We're technically in space like Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic are. This is like I am actually spending some time in space. And I think that it's cool that it was entirely private. I think it's really interesting the type of people that were in there because it could have just been like buddy, <laughs> could have been like billionaire buddy and his other billionaire buddies. Uh, and and it, it could have been a whole other thing. But I really liked to see this. I do actually have a level of inspiration for the future of space flight. I think that this is what we need to see because I am becoming of the mindset that space exploration will benefit from significantly less government involvement. I, I think that we're going to see a lot more um, inspiration <laughs> uh, happen when you do have more private entities and more private minds thinking of different things. And the fact that SpaceX was able to do this, I think it's cool. The only question that I have is like anybody that's ever gone for a trip, you know, a, a long way away knows that sometimes people will get into a hotel room and, and they'll just be like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I just want to flop down and, you know, strip, strip my clothes and just, just enjoy, just, you know, enjoy, enjoy life. Is that what they did? Is that what they did here? Did they just get on up there and they just, they just, uh, got in the buff? In an on orbit interview that they had with kids, they said that they were sleeping in sleeping bags that were Velcroed to the capsule. So that's not a no, that's not a no. They didn't enjoy their their uh, clothing optional resource. I think they all have other significant others. So I don't think this was a part of. <laughs> uh, I, ne might... I never said there is anything sexual about it, SP. You're making assumptions. I'm just saying, like, you know, they're in space, it's not government funded. Maybe they just wanted to chill and just enjoy life as it's meant to be, SP. The only other thing that I know is the bathroom was actually on the ceiling by the cupola and there was a curtain to go across so if you had to use the facilities you would be looking out the cupola and be that was your private time i guess i don't know again anyway, again not saying there needed to be private time you're you're just making all sorts of assumptions there sp well I, <laughs> not every so, not everybody's so prude everybody's not so prude sp well, th that's that's fair that's fair so more importantly, over $200 million was raised for St. Jude, was pledged for St. Jude during this. And $50 million was Elon Musk himself, but that means $150 million came from other people. And now I can't ask my toilet story because you just <laughs> did something inspirational. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Suncast is totally getting at where I was getting at, which was in the chat. He goes, I would totally have mooned the ISS. 100%. That's where we wanted to go with that. I mean, they were... Several, several hundred kilometers apart. But yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. I can see it right now. Steven's in space. 
And as they're floating by the ISS, you hear him go, show them the pressed ham. <laughs> uh, kidding aside, I, I think this is really cool. And I think that this is more of what is to come um, out of the world of space exploration. And I think that this is this is really great. And yeah, I think that Jeff, I think that Richard, we're on first name basis now, this, this is private space exploration or private space time that this is definitive private space time not your little up and down things yeah so i I don't we talked about it before i think virgin galactic has its own issues and i don't think they're going to get into space for a very long time again even if it's just above the space line and as for blue origin they have their own issues that we've been discussing i want to focus more on spacex right now because they're making things happen And the other thing that is happening, by the way, which is kind of funny that you said, we need more stuff without government oversight. Well, guess what? SpaceX needs government oversight in order to launch the Starship slash heavy, uh, super heavy. Uh, So what they've done is they've drafted in conjunction with the FAA a environmental assessment of the Boca Chica area. They've been operating underneath an environmental impact statement since 2014, which covered everything that they have been doing so far. But now with Super Heavy and with Starship, they're going to get into orbital flight. The environmental impact statement did cover orbital flight from Boca Chica, but it was using the Falcon system, the Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavy system. It was not using super heavy or starship so they need to redo the environmental assessment in order to get those licenses so that they can orbit on friday the 17th of september the faa released the 152 page document for public comment it's open for 30 days you can go ahead and read it we'll put the link in the show notes and you can actually provide a comment to it Personally, I've read about 20 to 25 pages of it so far. I have not made it all the way through. I've just had other things going on and I had other things going on at work as well today. So I couldn't power through it at work, but I will be reading this whole thing. And if I deem anything necessary of a comment, I will put a comment in. So we'll see if that happens. Of note though, chapter two of the document goes over all of the operations that SpaceX knows so far of Starship and Super Heavy. They want to do like five launches a year from that site. And they have all sorts of other things about the site itself, the layout of the site, the launch site, how many times the road can, how many hours the road can be closed to transport things from the manufacturing area to the launch site because they are separate. So there's a lot of stuff that's being done there. I want to say that comments are being consolidated by Stacy Z. That's her name at a firm called ICF. I would tell you the actual name of ICF, but it goes way back to something way before that they're all right now. They're basically a government contractor to the FAA. So if you want to get involved in the SpaceX mission right now, you can read that document and provide comment. Comment period is open until October 18th, 2021. But I would encourage you, if you do have a comment to get it in before then, there's an email address that you can send your comments into to Stacy Z. All right, before we get on to the next news point here, I have another Canadian election update. 
I was curious to see how long he was going to go. That's way better than the comments I was going to make, which is that people have voted. And that's been your election update. Oh, that's some horse pool. <laughs> that doesn't really work, but I, I combined two curses in the one there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, horse pool. All right. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, let's go ahead and go to your news point, though, Chris, which is about folding Google. What? Google folded? The company folded? Google's been playing a lot of poker, what? and they just folded is what happened here. And I've got to be careful what I say, so I don't trigger any smart assistance as I say the G word here, but... Oh, for those mine that went off. Been... Mine went off. <laughs> wow, just on that. All right. Impressive. So for those who have been paying attention to some of our previous news stories and perhaps my Twitter feed and some of the stuff I upvote on Reddit, we're getting close to what is rumored to be the upcoming Pixel 6 release date. There's a lot of folks that are thinking that's in mid to late October that'll be coming. So there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz happening about that. But as of recent... We've started to get some more rumors that have come out about the upcoming Pixel release. Specifically, there was one that just came out within the past couple of days from EV Leaks on Twitter. That's Evan Blass, if I recall correctly. He talked about the fact that Google is supposedly working on a foldable phone called Passport. We've heard some rumors of this, but what is important here is he said his sources have stated that the phone would release by the end of the year. We've got the Pixel 6s coming out late October. That means we've got a pretty small window for where that could be coming out. Specifically on Twitter, he said, heard from someone I trust that the foldable Pixel, codename Passport, retail branding unknown, will indeed launch before the end of the year. Apparently, they've been working on this device for over two years, and if the Pixel 6 is any, is any indication, it'll be worth a look. So this is pretty interesting. This is pretty cool. We've talked about foldable phones a little bit on here. But the story gets even deeper and more interesting. Google now appears to be internally testing not one, but a second foldable Pixel smartphone, 9to5Google got this today and was sharing that. This device is said to be under development with the code name Jumbo Jack. So we have Jumbo Jack and Passport. Jumbo Jack is referenced in a future version of Android 12, which is identified as Android 12.1 from what 9to5Google had said. Now, not much is known about what form Jumbo Jack could take, when or if it comes out, but 9to5Google has a couple of key details they did share with us. This phone does seem to have two screens, one that deactivates when the device is folded. This suggests we're looking at something similar in design to the Samsung foldables, which combine a small external screen with a larger inter internal folding display. No information yet on screen size, internal specs, any uh, water ratings or dust ratings, anything like that. But they do bring up an interesting point in the article on The Verge where I found this. There's some interesting theories on how the new foldable got its code name of Jumbo Jack. The theory is that Jumbo Jack could be a reference to Jack in the Box's Jumbo Jack cheeseburger. They're theorizing this is an implication the phone will fold hamburger style, like a Z Flip as opposed to hot dog style, like the Galaxy Z Fold. So there's no indication when or even if Jumbo Jack will see a commercial release. What could be happening here is we have a possible internal prototype they've been using to test and work on foldable functionality and improve uh, multitasking in Android. But the existence of Jumbo Jack, in addition to Passport, which we've heard about for a while, means that Google is seemingly serious about foldable phones. This is something that's pretty much been Google, excuse me, Samsung at large across the world that's been pursuing. We've had some 
other uh, Chinese-made ones that haven't made their way to the United States officially. They've been pursuing foldable devices, but this is potentially Google throwing their hat in the ring and also tailoring Android specifically to work with foldable devices versus having to do what Samsung has done, which is take existing Android libraries and code and modify them to work properly with foldables. I, for one, am intrigued to see what comes of this. I don't think I'm quite ready yet to jump on the foldable bandwagon, mostly because of durability concerns. And if you want some more information on that, there's a lot of YouTube reviewers that have looked at, say, the Galaxy Z Flip and the Galaxy Fold, specifically uh, Mr. Mobile, Michael Fisher. He's been doing a series of living with foldable phones because he loves them and has been talking about issues he's had, things like that. And Austin Evans, on um, he's got a variety of YouTube channels. His daily driver is a Galaxy Z Flip 3, I think is what it is, and has talked about some of the issues he's run into. They're not perfect, but they're getting closer and they're getting more interesting and more cool. At this point in time, I'm not quite, quite ready to make that leap yet, but I am cautiously optimistic that if Google's exploring it, in addition to Samsung having sold these phones right now, we're getting ready to see some pretty cool foldable stuff. And if you're an Android enthusiast, this is good news because Apple's not there yet. And this is not me trying to start stoke the Apple versus Android fanboy wars or anything like that. But if you get something out before Apple, it's curious to see how that shifts things. And then it's also curious to see what Apple does when they release something, say, a year later. Because how's the old phrasing go? Apple doesn't release first, but they release best or something like that because they tend to have refined and fixed things. I don't know how we'll define best on foldables because they all have flaws that need to be overcome still. And I'm not sure how either Apple or Google overcome that. But we're in interesting times, guys, and we might have a Google foldable phone by the end of the year in addition to the Pixel 6 launches. Can I just say that I, I know for a fact why it's codenamed the Jumbo Jack. Can I can I tell you that? I'll, I'll give because you of Jack in the Box, right? No, it's because, uh, as you might recall, in recent years, flagship phones have dropped the headphone jack. Well, it's coming on back, and they're going to bring it back. But they're like, no, we're not going to just do a three and a half millimeter jack. They're going to bring it back with the quarter inch jack. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a, a quarter inch jack on the phone. For those on audio, Steven actually has a prop right now, which is he pulled a plug out of his soundboard, I believe, to show us the uh, quarter inch jack. No, I got my headphones. That's what it was. Oh, well, <laughs> I like to think that you sacrificed your gear for the sake of a gag, but we'll go with that. No, now I'll just I'll just wear my headphones around my neck like a young happening DJ. Uh, I do have to agree with you actually about everything you said on the headphones jack. I do have cons- or the headphones jack on the foldable phone. I, I do think that we're a while off from there. Um, what I do like about the concept of Google getting into this is because they can show what Android could be uh, with, with a foldable device. And this is what Google's done with their phones and their devices that they've made is they've always kind of put a presentation out there on on how you can use Android best. And you've kind of seen some follow suit after that. Like Samsung, we talked about that last week, how Samsung's come a long way of stripping down to more stock sort of Android. Well, that that's kind of years of Google showing, hey, look how much better of an Android experience you can have if you do it this way. And so I think we could see a benefit there. I do have significant concerns on the hardware as well. I... I still am struggling to understand why we need this. I don't know that folding technology is the right focus on technology. I would tend to agree that I'm not sure that we need it. I find it 
intriguing for other uses besides for phones in the future. And I will honestly say, like I was saying in the chat room, I'm not as interested in the hot dog style folding phones, which is like the Galaxy uh, Fold. I'm more interested in like the Galaxy Flip, which is the hamburger style ones, which is the more clamshell traditional design we're used to. Like Motorola made a Motorola Razor that was an update Android version that was an homage to the original one from back in the early 2000s. And I thought that was pretty cool because it gets back to that form factor and it also means you'll have a slightly thicker phone in your pocket, but also takes up less space, which I thought was intriguing. Can, but can I, you, I can you clarify hamburger versus hot dog? Because like I could see cases being made either way. Are you talking about How like, does a hot dog bun look? How okay. does it fold? Okay, like versus, that. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Where the confusion was, was for me as the hamburger, because like, I, I don't know that I usually ever have a hamburger that has an attached bun, so... Well, a lot of the ones when you get them out of the bag are attached until you separate them. Yeah, but you put the, ha- you, got, the exactly, you put the meat in there and now you, you, there's no way your bun's still attached, so it doesn't make any sense. It could theoretically be, but this is more just to so, use words to describe how they fold versus me trying to say the horizontally folding versus the vertically uh, folding and then me confusing it in my head and confusing everyone and making a dunce out of myself because that was probably going to happen. So bottom line, free hot dogs in this. Is that what you're saying? Mm, I want a hot dog now. <laughs> All right, uh, SP, what's your thoughts on all this? (laughs) I think the idea to expand screen, I mean, Chris kind of poo-pooed it in his comment, but the idea to expand screen size with minimizing the actual device itself, I think has a long way to go. And I'm going to enjoy foldable screens. And by foldable screens, I mean like wrap, fold together, like go into a, a window shade sort of apparatus. I look forward to that. I look forward to virtual screens, projection screens that we see in all the sci-fi movies, that sort of stuff. Might not happen in my lifetime. I hope it does, but I look forward to getting there. And to get there, you have to make advancements with technology to do stuff like the foldable stuff. The one thing about the foldable screens that I'd be interested to, because I've never actually used one, is the crease, right? To see how the crease is affected over time. Is this phone going to last three years? Because I will say the the time period that I plan to use any phone is three years. After three years, it's time to upgrade no matter what you do. The wear and tear on the phone is going to be horrendous. With foldables, I think it's going to be less than that. I think you're talking about a year and a half to two years. You'll be lucky right now. Eventually, it'll be great. But with the crease, I'm wondering how readable and noticeable that will be. Like in an actual book, there is a crease and you just skip over it and you go to the other side, right? But if you're using the entire screen space for like a centerfold sort of picture, and in this case, it would be like a video that you're looking at the entire screen, then I would really wonder what that looks like. And I know a lot of people have experienced it. I just have not researched it. So those are my main concerns and I applaud anybody that goes forward with advancing this technology. And I really applaud the early adopters that are getting out there to using this and seeing what works, what doesn't work, make their recommendations back to the manufacturers on what works and what doesn't work. That's just just me in general. I, I can't say anything specific about any individual device right now because I haven't used it and I think it's going to change every year. We're going to get yeah. an evolutionary move forward or revolutionary, whatever you want to call it, the next year. 
Well, we've been seeing some of that evolutionary change, but first in regards to the crease, I haven't used one myself, but from the folks I have watched YouTube videos on that are more trusted viewers, it's a matter of, yes, you'll notice the crease, but when you're looking at it straight on and there's stuff on the screen, you're probably not going to notice it. It's when you look at it at an angle that it is more noticeable. And, and we have seen cool evolutionary changes in this just in what the three generations now, I think Samsung has done. Whereas this generation has a water certification, meaning you can submerge your phone and everything will be fine. Now, dust will still continue to be the problem because the way these hinges work, at least in the past, there were little brushes in the hinge to keep dust and dirt out. But as soon as you get a piece of dirt underneath that screen, you're going to have a dead pixel there. That's still going to be a problem with the fragility of these phones that if someone can figure out how to solve putting this foldable screen in an enclosed case where no dirt and dust can get in and give it a full IP, say 68 rating, then we'd be, uh, we'd be talking some pretty interesting stuff. And I will also give Samsung credit before we move on to their story. Cause I know we've got other stuff. When this first came out three years ago, we were talking two grand for one of these foldables. The galaxy Z flip, when it came out was something like 1600, $1,700. What's really interesting now when it actually had me tempted, but I begged off is the baseline model of the Galaxy Z Flip with, uh, I think, either 128 or 256 gigs of storage is $1,000. And in today's phone market, $1,000 is kind of on par with these top-tier spec phones. So it's going to be very interesting as the years go on to see how that price point shifts and how the technology advances and more competition in the realm of foldables means more advancements. That's why I welcome Google's involvement. That's why I welcome Apple's involvement because while they're not saying anything, we all know Apple's got to be doing something with foldable phones and foldable screens. Yeah. That will be interesting to see if they do end up doing something. They would love to get rid of the iPad mini by going to something like this. I know they would. And Chris, you mentioned in your story, you mentioned passport before. I just want you to repeat my voice is my passport. I will not repeat that phrase because I don't know what we're referencing and I'm scared. It's it's all good. My voice is my passport. I'm assuming that he's going to... SP's voice is his passport. No, my voice is my passport. That's right. SP's voice is his passport. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> you're not going to play. I was going to do I'm something really cool. I'm afraid of what you're going to do with this <laughs> voice print. There is nothing to be afraid of. My voice is my passport. Woohoo! You just entered into the 1992 sneakers movie with Mary McDonald. President Roslin? Yeah, that's right. Sweet. It was a heist movie in 1992. Look it up. You're going to love it. All right. Well, moving on to our last news point here. It looks like there's a new generation of Kindle device that has leaked. Now, who might have leaked said device? Well, it was none other than Amazon themselves and Canadian Amazon at that Damn Canadians, you're useless. Another generation of Kindle Paperwhite devices is coming out uh, apparently pretty soon because, yeah, Amazon Canada posted a chart on Amazon.ca that compared the different devices and it had the new ones on there. Now, there's been some talk about the pricing maybe being wrong and whatnot, so I won't go over that. But I will tell you that features-wise, it looks like they're both going to feature... um, the two new devices, one of, sorry, which will be called the uh, Kindle Paperwhite and the other one which will be called the Kindle Paperwhite Signature Edition. Both Ooh. of them will have a 6.8-inch e-ink display. The current one currently has only a 6-inch Paperwhite display. It looks like the more expensive one will have wireless charging in it. 
and also have more storage and also a light adjustment feature. Now, the uh, basic Kindle Paperwhite is going to have eight gigs of storage and the signature will have 32. This is reflective of actually what the current paper whites are, but both of the new paper whites are going to have more LEDs across the device to be able to increase uh, the brightness from a more sort of even perspective. The current Kindle paper whites only have five LEDs, while the new ones are going to apparently have 17, and their color temperature should also be adjustable, similar to the Kindle Oasis that you might have heard about. Typical things are going to continue according to this leak, which is uh, IPX waterproof ratings. Um, no 3G. I'll say 3G just because this is a throwback. No 3G capability, uh, just Wi-Fi only. And at this time, we don't know about the USB connection. It's unlikely going to be a move towards the USB-C because the flagship Kindle Oasis, which is fairly new, still only has micro USB. So don't get your hopes up there. But I wanted to mention it because it was about this time last year that we all got excited about the Kindle Paperwhite. I think, um, well, I know Chris had one for a while and then SP and I got all excited about it and got some over the holiday seasons. And uh, yeah, it looks like there's a refresh coming this way. I will say that I think the LED thing is pretty good. Uh, I do use mine quite a bit in sort of dim condition and do find that the LEDs do seem to lack. So this is great. So question for you then, how's your battery life been? That's a fair point. I, I okay with it, but yeah, the LEDs will use more. I, th I think that's where you're going with this. That is where I'm going. For, first of all, screen size. I desperately want a bigger screen size. Mm. My eyes aren't what they were. So bigger screen size is actually going to be beneficial to me there. I can make the, the text bigger and get more on the screen before I have to page through right now. I'm paging through very rapidly. So I'm really looking forward to a bigger screen. I'll probably be in the market to get one of these uh, at, when I can. When If there's a Black Friday sale or something like that, I'll, I'll go ahead and get it. Uh, I also like the case that I have too. So I'll, I'll be getting a case. But that is my concern is that the differentiation between my iPad mini and my Kindle is my iPad mini, even though it's aging right now, it's not lasting very long. But the paper white is just, I could go two weeks before I need to recharge on one of those with the same amount of use. So I'm slightly worried that the 17 LEDs and the increased screen size and the increased resolution will lead to a quicker battery drain. But even if the battery lasts a week, that's still tons more than my iPad. My iPad mini, even if I got a brand new one, would barely last a day. And this will last uh, a week or two. I, I have no idea how long that they plan to, to say how many hours and translate that into my usage or whatever. So yeah, I'm really excited about this. This is great. I've been in the Kindle market for a long time because my daughter loves to read. And just recently, I have finally convinced her that she doesn't need physical books, especially with stuff that she doesn't want to keep around forever, that a digital reader will be great. So I know she's not watching this right now, but um, there may or may not be a holiday gift coming her way this year. It's the beauty of e-ink displays here is they can last forever. And that's part of why I've had a Kindle since the, like the original Kindle keyboard 
which was, mm. I think, the third gen Kindle or something like that. And I've loved it. The only reason I upgraded mine was because I wanted something with a backlit display. So I think I have a Kindle Paperwhite that's four generations old or something like that at this point, And it still runs like a champ. It doesn't have quite as many LEDs in it or as fancy auto dimming or anything like that. But for my purposes, I got it on a Woot sale. I think it was for like 30 bucks. And it does exactly what I needed to do. The Kindle platform is really cool if you like to read and like ebooks as a way to do it. And the convenience of being able to keep hundreds, if not thousands of books in your pocket is great. I was laughing as Steven was reading the specs and he was like, well, this one has eight gigs of storage. And this one has 32 gigs of storage. And I'm thinking to myself, who has ever really come close to filling their Kindle up? Because a book is kilobytes. What? SP, you have one? Really? What are you putting on books? it? Yeah, how many books do you keep on your Kindle? I'm legitimately uh, curious because yeah, yeah, they're small know. in size. Yeah, I don't know how many. I, I've um, gotten a lot of free books that I've thrown on there and, and stuff that I've really probably won't read, but a lot of stuff that I've read before I want to make sure I have digitally. I'll have to go back and, and take a look at. But I did go with the 32 gigabytes because I was future-proofing myself. I wanted to make sure that I had enough to last, you know, the rest of my life, basically. And I knew this Kindle wasn't going to last the rest of my life, but I knew I wanted to have a big enough. And you're right. It does take a ton of books to get there. Right. Also, because we were like working from home and one of the big things that I could do from home was was read for my job and to do self-improvement and stuff like that. Uh, guess what? Kindle got a lot of work. That's fair. I, I'm and curious though why why you keep it on the device rather than just leave it in the uh, the store, whatever they call it, where you can download it again at a later date. Right. Again, some of the places I go to, like the lake, which is a lot better con connected nowadays than it used to be. But I want to make sure that I have my library with me. I don't. I'm a digital pack rat. It's why I want <laughs> a one terabyte iPhone. It's why I want a one terabyte iPad. It's why I want twenty five to 50 terabytes on my computer. I just have way too much data and I'm hopeful at some point that an AI will be able to come in and help me sift through it all and to uh, kind of like a, you know, a digital nanny or something like that saying, embrace the cloud, embrace the cloud to the cloud. <laughs> there is no clouds on Mars. <laughs> Fair enough. Real quick on the Kindle subject. One thing I've been hoping they would bring back, they used to have the Kindle DX that had like a 9.7 inch screen or like a 10 inch display. And I think that's been gone for mm -hmm. four or five years at this point in time. And I guess because it probably wasn't a big seller because one of the perks to the Kindle is just toss it in your backpack mm -hmm. or your purse or in your cargo pocket and go. And the DX was more of book sized, not paperback, hardcover size. So it was more problematic to carry around. I think there's a market for it, but not as huge a market as you would expect. That's probably why it hasn't come back, but I would love to see large screen e-ink display thing like that again, because especially if you want to get into digital textbooks, a larger screen like that would be awesome. I think you, you make a lot of great points. In my opinion, if I were to do something like that, I'm going to get an iPad Pro and I'm going to read it on the iPad Pro, especially with textbooks, because I'm going to use a pen to mark it up and that sort of thing. And right now Fair. with the Kindles, you can't have that technology because of the e-ink and it just hasn't evolved to that point yet. Eventually, it's probably going to get there, but it's just not there yet. So um, that's my differentiation between the two. And also, just holding that Kindle that I have in my hand right now, it's pretty easy. I mean, I can do it one-handed. I don't have to worry yeah. about uh, a two-handed holding thing like I, I would have to do with a larger iPad. I don't have, personally, I don't have a larger iPad, but my daughter does, my parents do. 
uh, my sister does. And so whenever I'm doing anything on it, it just feels like a massive slate to me compared to these smaller devices that I have. And ironically, I want a bigger device because of my eyes right now. So it is what it is. All right. And before we close up for today, we do have an announcement that was important for us to mention. Uh, if you have listened to Better Podcasting, you might know where we're going with this uh, because uh, we are going to be taking a break from the official Gunna Geek show. So we're we're going to be taking a bit of a hiatus over here as well. Uh, this is going to be not this won't be the last episode before the break next week on Monday, the 27th of September releasing later in the week will be the last one before the hiatus. That means, no, there will not be a good geek Christmas special this year. It's not going to happen. Uh, we're going to hopefully come back in around early 2022, working on the exact timeline. Uh, keep your ears out towards December, maybe early 2022 for that information. We're not 100% sure when we do that, what format and capacity we'll be in. I'm just going to go and say it right here and, and, and right now. These two are amazing individuals. I love podcasting with them each and every week. They're, but, but beyond that, I message with them regularly on a daily basis. And I consider them to be friends of mine. And here's the thing is I have been um, having to figure out the life, the life podcast balance in my own life. So this is something that's been coming on for a little while. So I was talking with them about this and uh, they were supportive of us taking a break from the Gunna Geek show so I could see how and if that could all fit in in the future. And so um, I know there's some other things like SP has a wedding going on and whatnot, but I just wanted to say right now that these two are amazing individuals and we're nothing but supportive. And yes, I absolutely initiated this. And so thank you guys for that. But yes, that we will have one more episode after this before our hiatus and then not entirely sure what capacity we would come back in but keep your ears out um, again, end of December, end of December, early January for an update of some form. I love podcasting with Chris too. <laughs> I, I said both of you guys. I was, I was kind. Uh, I, I didn't give my real thoughts. Uh, <laughs> wow. Chris, I opened the door. You're just going to slam it in my face. Thanks. Thanks. I like podcasting with everyone. No. Yeah, okay. Kidding aside, I do really enjoy podcasting with both of these. Yeah. These two, you two are amazing. I like talking the geek talk and all that. But yeah, we're, we're just going to announce that right now. And um, got any questions, come to our Discord server because we'll still be around there. The mm -hmm. Discord server is at gunnageek.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you come over there, but you can also check out the Gunna Geek Network, which has awesome podcasts on it. Go to gunnageek.com. Check that out. You can get your SP fix through Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and you can get your Chris fix through all things good and nerdy. And if you play your cards right, maybe you'll get a little evening sexy time cast between the two of them together. Just ask them. Maybe they'll make it happen. Yeah, this, this uh, hiatus, this break, is is just needed for a lot of different reasons and uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and viewers that come live to watch us on monday nights every week we really appreciate you uh, our thoughts on what we had to do were with you predominantly we wanted to make sure that um that uh, we were making the decision the right decision not just for us but for everybody so 
we weren't just making the decision in a vacuum. We thought of you. So thank you, everybody that comes to our live chat every Monday night. We really appreciate you. We'll have some more words for you next week, but I just didn't want to leave it off without saying thank you because you guys are awesome. Stephen was talking about that steamy show. I mean, the joke's on him. I'm starting a new show where we read steamy fanfics. Each week's a different uh, fanfic genre we'll get into. That first week, Supernatural. Second week, uh, Smallville. Third week, Arrow. Fourth week, Battlestar Galactica. And everyone's going to play different roles with different voices. Oh, yeah. Mm. So we're going to have Lauren on board, too, because she does fanfic and voices. See, there you go. This is what we're going to do. That's how you get your steamy fix. Recommend your steamy fanfix to JS at (laughs) GunnaGeek.com. Title the email, steamy, steamy fanfix. You fix that so it goes actually to JS, too, now, right? (laughs) I don't remember. Uh, The steamy fanfix, is is this going to be like cooking where it's like steamy vegetables? Uh, Is that what it's going to be? Well, the windows will fog up. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) All right. So come back next week for our uh, last episode before a hiatus of some form. Uh, You can check that out next week on the 27th of September at Geeks.Live at 5.45 p.m. Pacific, 8.45 p.m. Eastern. And I truly mean what what I said. These two are amazing individuals. So for episode number 392 of the official Gonna Geek show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying... I think we need to get a few more J.J. Abrahams jokes in before the hiatus. I'm Chris, and I'm a big fan of J.J. Abrahams. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm SP saying, long live Canadian Queen Megan. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.